0: My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. My name is Sean Jordan. And I'd like to introduce my guest for the evening. His name is Brian Lynn. He is of the Sportsmen's Alliance of seven years. And did you? Uh, what is your position in the Sportsman's Alliance?
1: Yeah, I'm the vice president of marketing and communications. So yeah, I've been there for about, like you said, seven years. Uh, as an organization, we've been around for about forty years. Started in the '70s, uh, late '70s, when the animal rights movement. Tried to come into Ohio and trapping through a ballot initiative and a bunch of businessmen wildlife professionals and everybody got together and created the resistance and uh, (laughs) defeated the ballot initiative and then they went back to their day jobs and some other states started getting attacked and so they were calling asking how to how to defend against this and the guys quickly saw there was a need so they created the what is today the sportsman's alliance back then it was the legislative fund of America. So, uh, yeah, that was the genesis of it was a ballot initiative in the seventies. And so since then we've been protecting hunting fishing and trapping in all 50 state legislatures at the ballot box and then, uh, in state and federal court.
0: Now how many victories have you guys had over the years? Oh dear God I, I I don't even
1: know like I mean we get hundreds and hundreds of bills every year and uh, so we fight those. We're in court cases, ballot initiatives. I mean it's oh I don't know I know our victory rate is like
0: 80 90 percent when we engage so uh, you know yeah I was well, I was wondering about that when you said, when I was saying that about the victory versus the uh, failure and it's not really a failure. It's court went, they win in some areas and we win in the other areas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is
0: dependent on the state and, you know, on a ballot
1: initiative, the state and how rules around ballots are set up and kind of your markets. Cause it's all about uh, getting votes as well as raising money. So it's with mm-hmm. a ballot initiative, it's pretty much, Whichever side can raise the most money and can buy the most airtime as you get closer to election day is the one who wins. And yeah. that's where we're at a severe disadvantage. I mean, the main Society of the United States has a $200 million a year budget. There's nobody in the outdoors with that kind of money. So they can drop two, three, four, five million on a ballot initiative and buy as much airtime as they want. They have a whole media machine nobody in the outdoors has that kind of funding so we really have to scrape at the grassroots level to fundraise and defend it wow
0: yeah i'll be surprised i would have thought one of donald trump's kids uh, trump junior would have at least put more money down or started some sort of a fund account
1: well i mean it, it's all state based right so and you never yeah. know where they're going to strike and it may go uh-huh. I think the last one we had was 2016 in Montana, and so we haven't had one, but now things are setting up to look like Colorado's on the line, Arizona's back on the line. They started one two years ago in Arizona to ban lion hunting, and then the rules around their signature gathering changed, and so that presented a hurdle, and then their CEO at the Humane Society got caught up in the Me Too movement, Mm. and so they... Parted ways with him and they had to, they suspe- suspended, suspended the uh, ballot initiative. They still have the third party entity that they created down there and they still have half a million dollars in the bank down there. No, they can boring. use anytime. So Colorado, I mean, they've been attacking there for a long time. We've known for a while that is going to be Arizona or Colorado. They went with Arizona, kind of hit a wall. Now, Colorado, they've tried the legislation. They've tried going through the regulation process. The next step is uh, probably either a lawsuit or, or a ballot initiative.
0: Trying to tie it up in either litigation or literally yep. change it via vote. Yep. Wow. They are resourceful. <sighs> And I'm like, no, don't do that. I still haven't gotten a mountain lion yet. <laughs> yeah. They're,
1: they're going after it hard this time. I mean, that's what we're seeing in the West. It's all predator management. You know, this session and cycle is uh, Washington State, California, Colorado, Arizona. That was all predator management. Uh, bears in uh, in Washington and California. Mountain lions, bobcats in Colorado and Arizona. And some bears what? in Arizona, too. Why are they going after
0: the predators first?
1: Because they're the apex predator. <laughs> it's kind of like the bigger the eye and the longer the eyelash, the greater the outrage. And these are animals that you see in Disney movies, right? So people can relate to them. So you go after those. It present. it's, it's a good argument. They can identify with it. Uh, you know, they, they can paint a picture that it's just trophy hunting.
0: Nah. But
1: then... Beyond that, even deeper beyond that, if they can get that stuff banned and there's no hunting, those predators continue to, uh, you know, grow in numbers, right? Their population yeah. grows. What happens when they grow? What do they eat? Deer. Yep. So when mm-hmm. the, the ungulate population gets hit, deer, elk, whatever it is, gets hit and starts to drop, then fish and game agencies have no choice but to lower the number of tags that are available to hunters because we hunt the mm-hmm. surplus.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And so as they do that, they can remove hunters from the, from the model, from the North American model. <laughs> you do that. Now the funding source is breaking up and drying up. Pretty soon the model starts to collapse. And that's their ideas. They want to go with, it's called rewilding where they put the predators back in and take man out of the equation under the guise that everything Balances itself. Nature balances itself, which is the biggest myth out there. That doesn't happen. Moon oh, yeah. and bust cycles, the habitat, the prey species, and it all goes from there.
0: Oh, I know it's stupid because I've seen stuff like that, and then eventually predators start moving in on yeah domestic territory, cattle, and everything. Yep. And the state has to pay for it then versus the licenses and fees. Yep actually paying for it or somebody actually buying a tag and actually going out there and doing it themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, the, the predators aren't going to starve to death. So when the, uh, ungulate populations drop, they're looking for an easy meal and that's going to be cattle, whether it's sheep or, or cattle or whatever. I mean, mountain lions love llamas and goats. Uh, so, you know, they're going to eat those. They're going to eat your cats, your dogs, whatever your kids, yeah, whatever they I've find. Seen, I
0: mean, they're predators. Yeah. I've seen, a. Uh, videos, I think it was in Montana or Wyoming, middle of winter, a dog was barking. I think it was a pack of four or five wolves walked up and that dog became dinner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there and bears moving into the, I mean, into the cities, you know, yeah. I mean, Boulder, Colorado this week had, uh, somebody had a mountain lion under, under their porch in Boulder.
0: You oh, I think know? I saw that.
1: Yeah, California, they had, uh, you know, everybody saw the the bear walking across the woman's uh, fence and fighting with her dogs and shearing out there and pushed it off, off the fence, off the brick fence. You know, and that's in town. So, yeah, it's, it's out of control a little bit.
0: And the problem is they need to de- <coughs> fix it so that people can actually go in there and actually scare these animals away. I mean, they're neophobes to begin with. So... When hunters get involved, they get a lot more sketchy around people because they've been taught that thing can kill me.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There's a negative consequence, you know. I mean, actually, I have a buddy here in Washington State who's doing a uh, mountain lion study on on hazing and and hounds and the sounds of people and hounds and trying to condition them, you know, to negative reinforcement and seeing if they get further and further away after each negative reinforcement, and they have been. You know, and so you, one, you have the hazing part where they, you know, consider man bad, bad things mm-hmm. happen, you know, and, and dogs, you know, they, they associate that with a bad experience. That's one thing. But the other side is we're keeping them in balance with the available prey species, which are then kept, which is then kept in balance with the habitat. We manage from the ground up. Oh yeah. And so if you throw it out of balance and out of whack at the top, it trick, it Affects the whole thing going down.
0: It just cas- cascades down. And uh, is that study with the hazing, is that audio hazing, are they using the Meat Eater podcast for that one? Yeah, yeah, is- yeah,
1: he's done that. He's done I've- that, he's played music. It's just, you know, voices, sounds, get the dogs yeah. barking. go in there, you know, and uh, and haze them and scare them. And, you know, I think they've used a paint gun on them or something a couple of times to... yeah. To uh, really drive home the negative aspect, it's like
0: yeah, they hear the voices, and if they get in close enough, they shoot them with the paint gun. And they're like, "Ow, bye." Yeah, yeah. Because I know they don't have to worry about that too much with wolves, because yeah, they're neophobic; they don't like new things, and a loud human walking in the woods really just they don't want to be near us.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, then you get into the whole. Where they say you need flagging and we need range riders and we can get along with the wolf. We can just put flagging up around our properties and they won't come in and eat the cattle. And it's like, well, at first they won't. But when they sit there and they watch the flagging for a couple Not of weeks and anything. realize that they get closer and closer and nothing's happening, pretty soon they're just going to walk under it.
0: I mean, yeah, an electric, an electric fence can only work so much too because, oh, yeah, yeah oh, they learn. Where's, yeah, they also learn where the weak point is because we all know dogs. I mean, they'll get out of a fence one way or another. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, I mean, you're talking huge properties. You're talking also public land grazing stuff. Uh, so you can't even put electric fences or stuff up if you're oh, no. in yep. your public land grazing.
0: You know, And the the only way to slow them down is to make them understand this cattle. And it's got to be a lethal response yeah. sometime with cattle. is. Oh, crap. My buddy just died. I'm back. I leave.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, they don't even think that way. They're just thinking, you know, cause and effect. And if you don't kill them, it's not yeah. like they're going to learn. Oh, hey, <laughs> you know, Stephen was killed uh, last week when we went over there by those cows. No, it's like if it doesn't happen relatively quickly during that, you know, it's like you're training your dog. You have a couple of seconds to make a correction or praise for the dog mm-hmm. to connect the two events. You, yeah, shoot a wolf. you shoot some wolves a week or two weeks after they ate a cow, they don't connect that they're getting shot because they ate the cow. They're just getting shot. Yeah. Um, but the pups will learn that prey is, you know, they will learn uh, learn behavior that, oh, cattle is a good prey source. You mm-hmm. know, so if they're taught that, that whole pack is going to end up seeing livestock as prey.
0: You remember the uh movie with Val Kimmer? It was about the two lions.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Ghost of Darkness?
0: Yes. Yeah. I remember reading an article about them recently. It was they did a CT scan on the one of the lions. They found he had a s- absence in one of his main uh canine teeth. So he couldn't b- bite down on the prey animal species that yeah. He actually was normally going to. So he started attacking humans because softer skin, easier to chew on, yeah, less easier gimbal. to catch. <laughs> And the other lion, it's monkey see, monkey do. It literally said, well, hey, I don't have to try as hard. I'm going to join him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Survival of the fittest doesn't mean you're the strongest. It means you're the smartest. You know yep, when to fight and how to feed, how to yep, pass yep. on your genes.
0: Yep, and if you don't want that tooth to hurt, you're gonna go for the soft ones. Yep, yep. And it made sense. It makes sense when you think about that. I mean, they all, all animals are gonna learn. So, yeah, and I, I actually want to do predator hunting. I, it's on the bucket list. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it, guys, that's what they're going after.
1: That's what uh, they're going after is predators.
0: Yeah. Well. He was hoping, uh, you guys and all the other groups that are around can fight them off a lot. Cause I know, uh, guy I just recently interviewed, he, uh, had, was born a spinal bifida and he was up in the upper upper peninsula of Michigan. And he brought, bagged his first black bear up there. And that was a fun one from what I could tell. First, they were using a track chair and couldn't get through the dense vegetation. They were hunting with dogs. It's thick up there. Oh, yeah. They were hunting with dogs. It was over a mile away, and they ended up having to carry him on their backs. Yeah. Through the woods. And he had to one-arm the shot because his bipod couldn't reach up to the bear from where he was mounted. Oh, jeez. So, but, yeah, that was an astronomical story. And... I cannot wait to put that on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My podcast comes out bi-weekly. So, well, hopefully in the future I can start pumping them out (laughs) weekly, but for now. Yeah. So what bills do you see are, would affect disabled hunters the most?
1: Uh that's hard to say. I mean, it's it really, I mean, I I've known a couple of different disabled hunters and they pretty much have done everything I've done, you know, whether that's elk hunting or or yeah. predator hunting, um you know, falcons whatever. But uh, you know, so it kind of the, the way we see it is it, it really doesn't matter. Disabled yeah. not disabled, bow hunter, you know, uh rifle hunter, predator hunter, big game hunter whatever, they're out to stop it all. And yeah. they only have to win one battle and, and they move the needle, right? Oh, yeah. We have to win every single battle or else we lose something we have. And once it's gone, it's gone. Like, we're not getting it back.
0: Oh, you, There's no fighting back to try and no, take right. it back?
1: Not, not really. I mean, sometimes you can if it's done through the legislative stuff, but it's usually a fight. You know, Mm -hmm. and then you know, it's it also depends then on the makeup. If you have big cities and it passes easily, you're gonna have a hard time turning those votes who those people who voted to ban it, you're gonna have a hard time turning them around. With a ballot initiative, it's even worse. You pass a ballot initiative, there's nothing even the legislature can do. They can chip at the pieces, the edges, and take a little bit back here and a little bit back there. But when something's passed by a ballot initiative, The only way to get it back is to run another ballot initiative. And so here here in Washington state, we lost hounding the use of hounds for bears and mountain lions. We lost the use of bait for bears. We won't be getting that back. I mean, what what are you going to do? Run a ballot initiative in Seattle that says we want to kill more mountain lions. That's never going to pass.
0: The only way you'd be able to do that is if they start actually encroaching on people's territories and saying. They don't care oh you know, good Lord. The,
1: the masses don't care in, in the cities because they don't have to see it they don't they don't deal with the re- with the repercussions the mountain lions and bears aren't going to be in you know downtown at the key arena or the space needle hanging out eating people they're going yeah, to no. the edges i mean literally two years ago a guy was killed and eaten right outside seattle 40 minutes outside seattle
0: and they, they didn't even care oh
1: wow yeah. So, so two years ago, there was two mountain bikers in North Bend, which is just outside Seattle. They were mountain biking just outside there on some forest roads and got attacked by a mountain lion. mauled the one guy, about took his face off, chased the other guy down, killed him, and ate from his hip to his knee before they got to him. And, and the guy was dead. And then two months later in Mount Hood in Oregon, outside Portland, a hiker was killed by a mountain lion and eaten. So, I mean, even that doesn't matter.
0: Wow. I mean, they know d- the danger is imminent, yet they still just, they choose to ignore it because they're protected in their concrete shell.
1: Yep. Yep. You know, and they just say we have to learn to live with them, and that's the risks, and that's part of the great part of the wild, which to an extent it is. Yeah, but that's when why. It becomes, when it becomes an issue for people and, and other livestock, and then something needs to be done about it, you know, but with a ballot initiative, it's very little you can do.
0: And it makes you almost feel like the States that they're going to win and you just want to either give up on, but you know, you can't because then
1: they're yep. going to go
0: after the ungulates.
1: Yep. yep. Oh, and that's happening here in Washington state. A study just came out that said, uh, in Southeast Washington, which was a trophy elk bull elk, uh, area, the blues mountains, uh, They did a, a collaring study on elk I think seven out of 111 are alive and they were all killed by predators and most of it was done by mountain lions.
0: Yeah.
1: And so they're going after it. So they reduced the tags and they're down to almost nothing now.
0: Seven out of how many you get Like 111. They're not going to, that herd's not even going to survive.
1: Well, that's yeah. And so it's dropped and dropped and it's gotten down. It's down to the goal was to keep it at about 5,500 animals and it's down to like 3,600. And so they're like, yeah, we need to do something. And they're saying increase predator hunting and I'll take the cats out, do this, do that. And some of the anti hunters who are on the game commission point blank said in a commission meeting, why are we going after the predators? Why don't we just reduce the tags? Jesus,
0: Didn't they, uh, didn't Washington recently just have to get a new commissioner because one of them retired or not retired, resigned? we well,
1: had a whole soap opera here. They had a couple of open seats. They had a couple of people. They had one guy serving whose time was up. And so, and then they had two people serving who weren't confirmed. And this whole bear stink came up and got pretty contentious. And one of the two people who weren't confirmed resigned. So then there was three open seats or two open seats. And then one who wasn't confirmed or one whose time was up. And so then they just appointed three new commissioners and Kev confirmed a bunch of them. And so, yeah. But now, it's- how,
0: many, how many of the new ones are pro hunting?
1: We don't know yet. We'll find out here uh, basically in a week. On March 11th, they'll have a big uh, vote again on the bear season and adopting regulations. And that will be these uh, new commissioners' first votes. We'll find out real quick where they stand. Two of them don't look very promising, but we'll see. And one of them is up in the air. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Here's hoping. Yeah, I was, I've been listening in on the Washington bear bear hunt obviously i mean it's on everywhere you look for hunters and just seeing that is just it it really sucks it does yeah (sighs) so uh any good news in my state of indiana (laughs) indiana hmm
1: Well, we we have a, I can't remember, I think Indiana is one of the states we're going to with our conservation adventures program, which is our youth program. Hmm. And that is uh, a high school curriculum, science curriculum that works for your uh, core credit classes. It works as an elective class. It works as an egg class and it's a full one-year course in conservation science. So it's Presenting the science, the principles of, you know, the science principles that you learn in high school, 11th and 12th grade, but Mm -hmm. through conservation, through hunting, it explains the North American model of wildlife management, explains how we manage, explains why hunting is needed, why it works, the funding model behind it, how that supports conservation across the board. It's hands-on. We've had a couple of schools, well, we're in like 70 schools right now, 2,000 kids in ohio and pennsylvania i think indiana is one of the ones we're expanding to next year can't remember um sweet but i mean that's what it needs like people don't understand the model anymore like it used to to be fairly common knowledge and they knew you know there was a good view of hunting that's been lost now they they don't have any clue and they don't know how hunting fishing trapping supports conservation and supports almost every fishing game agency there is
0: and I so, wish I'd known about that in high school.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so this is, teaches that. And, you know, if we get kids involved in hunting, great. If not, okay. But at least they have a year's worth of knowledge that they go to class every single day and discuss this stuff, listen to podcasts, watch videos, you know, do labs, whatever. They understand at least enough to maybe ask some questions. So when yeah. this legislation comes up, when they're of voting age, at least they have enough background to maybe ask a question
0: yeah because i didn't get into hunting till i was in my i my son was just a year old and i was that's a tough time to get involved (laughs) yeah i think i've been hunting for about six years now gonna be seven so i was 29 when my son was born so okay yeah he's gonna be eight this year so
1: okay
0: yeah that's kind of where i started off is and then i learned off my grandfather was hunting my uncles were hunting but i never knew what hunting was and i kind of want my nephews and my son to be able to do that and i want all these kids to know it too so
1: yeah yeah no that's important and you got to replace more than just yourself you know just Mm -hmm. replacing yourself uh doesn't cut it like if this is a deer herd if you're just replacing yourself in a deer herd that's a recipe for extinction that's why Mm -hmm. deer have multiple
0: (laughs) yeah right multiple babies oh yeah now do you think that this model should it be successful obviously in ohio and pennsylvania indiana and a few other places do you think moving out to washington colorado nevada places like this and be able to get that in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and most, because most schools have autonomy
0: and they get to decide, you know, and at
1: least a great portion of the States, you know, the school can decide to run something as an elective or a core class. So it just takes, you know, a school board or a teacher, you know, a teacher to bring it up to the school board. And we help shepherd people through that process and how to do this. And so, yeah, we definitely, that's definitely the goal is to get into these other States and start uh, educating people.
0: Well, that's basically a true grassroots method. Does yeah. That way you can get into places like Seattle. and Yep. Yep. You're that's the it. idea. Yeah. I was trying to think of other city names and it just went complete blank.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the I-5 corridor. It goes all the way from Bellingham to Seattle, Tacoma, Olympia, right down to uh San Jose and San Francisco to LA to San Diego and that I five corridor for the entire Washington, Oregon, California runs everything.
0: Jesus, Mary Francis. Yeah. That that's that's bad, really. I mean, in California, Washington and Seattle used to be known for some serious game hunting. Oh yeah. I mean, that was that was a place you went. Yeah, no, they're they're great states, and you know if they're managed properly,
1: they're incredible. I mean, we have in Washington, the other the other two, Oregon and California too. We have every type of landscape there is. We have ocean, we have rainforest, we have high rocky, you know, mountains in the Cascades. Uh, we have high desert steppe brush, which is you know there's sagebrush and rattlesnakes there, and and we have foothills that lead up into Idaho. So I mean, we have it all. We have all four seasons. You know, we have warm games, fishing species. We have the cold species. We have big fish, rivers, big lakes. And we got a little of everything. Diving ducks, sea ducks, puddlers, geese.
0: Dang. I heard you can only get one sea duck a year.
1: Uh, well, it depends on the species. One, one harlequin.
0: Uh, yeah, that was the one. Yeah. I was talking to a major waterfowler who I had on recently and, he was taking a buddy up there and that dude said the harlequin was a beautiful duck
1: yeah they're gorgeous they're
0: gorgeous (laughs) oh they are I like them
1: yeah they're one of my favorite ducks
0: they taste good
1: yeah they're sea ducks so they uh have a a bit saltiness yeah fishy
0: muddy depends Ah. you know so a lot more seasoning yes yes (laughs) know any good recipes
1: <laughs> we did a lot of buffalo style wings
0: with them buffalo <laughs> i would have thought smoking them would bring out some flavors
1: yeah. yeah i don't know if you want those flavors to come out but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i'll put it in a brine yeah yeah so what is in the future for sportsman's alliance
1: uh, well, we'll just keep fighting. I mean, uh, the uh it kind of comes in waves, right? So the legislative sessions kick off in January. It goes hot and heavy for January, February, March. Kind of April tails off a little bit. And then May and June really starts to slow down. There's still some stuff going, but not a lot. You get into the summer months, especially this year, because you're in a uh, midterm year. So mm-hmm. everybody's going to be trying to go back and get reelected and stuff if they're up for it. Um, And so a lot of, a lot of the places will shut down and there won't be much happening. And then it'll start up a little bit in the fall again with a couple of different States that run on a split like that. And then uh, you know, then it ebbs for the, the holidays again. And then come January, you get a whole flood and flurry of stuff again. So yeah so we, we just keep going on that cycle and trying to keep up with it and uh yeah got some lawsuits to look at uh so we'll see how those go that's a slow process but an important one so we've got some different yep. lawsuits we're fighting so we'll see what happens
0: so how does one join the uh, sportsman's alliance
1: yeah so there, i mean literally just about any way you want to join you can join like if you want to join as an individual the base amount is thirty five dollars. That gets you your year, your, your, uh membership. Mm-hmm. You get the magazine with it. You get stickers and hat or whatever, and then you can go up from there. There's thirty five dollars, fifty dollars, seventy five dollars, hundred dollar membership levels that come with different perks. If you have a business, you can join as a business partner. You know, and then it's most of that is tax write off because it's part of your business. Mm. Uh, if you're, uh, podcast, yeah. Podcast. If you, uh, you know, if you're part of a rod and gun club or other type of outdoor club, we have a club, a club program. So Mm. instead of just, you know, a $35 membership, you could, your club could give, you know, 500 or a thousand dollars and become part of the, you know, that way. And and it doesn't, you know, split over a hundred people or 50 people. That isn't, you know, so bad, but it really helps on our end to get those kind of bigger donations.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so
1: that's literally just about any way you want to become a member. We've got a way to
0: for you. To OK, do so, <laughs> so uh, as a podcast, how could I partner with you? And I'm just using this as an example.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, if you have, you know, if you're a bona fide business entity with a uh, an and and everything and you have your accounts and you're all set up as a bona fide business Mm -hmm. you know you can become a business partner and donate or create the the you know like for a business i think our lowest level is twenty five hundred dollars you know that gets you like a half page ad in the magazine it gets you a sponsorship of our weekly you know newsletter and some different perks like that you know so if you're a business you can do that and then you one get to write it off Two, you get exposure to our audience and saying, you know, that's what we say is these are the groups and the businesses that are protecting your passions, support Mm -hmm. them because they support us, you know, and help pay our bills.
0: Yeah. I'm not near that one yet. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) it'll it'll happen.
0: Oh, uh, most. I hope anyways. I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to get that far. So, uh, so how long have you been hunting for? I always ask this question. So,
1: I've been hunting since I took my hunter's ed. Well, I went for a couple years, you know, just following my stepdad around and falling asleep in the duck blind. Um, so, I went for a couple seasons before, but I got to start pulling the trigger after I took hunter's ed, which I took in 1985.
0: I was born in 85. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I was 12. So, yeah. So, I'm 46. So, I'm, yeah. So, 85. So, almost 40 years now. 30, <laughs> 30 years, 35 years. I can't do math. I'm a writer and English major. So, whatever 1985 was, is how long I've been hunting.
0: Yeah. Mine was business administration and management. And it was at a college that now, was defunct so oh yeah
1: yeah always fun
0: yeah gotta love the sally Mae bill but without the degree yeah <laughs> that was fun yeah i see the uh black bear you have pelt on your wall and without oh, yeah. a rug isn't it
1: yeah i just tanned it out and put it up there
0: yeah i love the turkey feathers yeah yep yep
1: turkey <laughs> and Bear and antelope and a whitetail, a couple of whitetails, a bunch of pheasant feathers. So, yeah. Nah. Like to do it all. A little of everything, but the, the dogs and the upland hunting, I really enjoy a lot, watching the
0: dogs work. I haven't been able to experience upland hunting yet.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, the dog stuff is great. and A little more social. You're talking and, and walking and and having fun. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That'd be fun with me. I uh, have was born bilateral club feet, so my feet are always in pain because I've had a couple of surgeries and whole bunch of other fun stuff in there. So uh-huh. so walking is fun. I yeah. usually tell people I can't walk as fast as you, slow down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well then you can do the duck hunting, so you just get in the
0: blind and you sit and then you can
1: still watch the dogs work.
0: Yeah. I'd like to get an e bike to go on one of those hunt, long hunts or whatnot. That way everybody else is walking. I'm just running along. Yeah. Yeah.
1: are <laughs> kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for coming on and talking about the conservation that work that you guys do at sportsman's Alliance and just going down a few rabbit holes with me tonight. You betcha. No problem. And uh, do you want to plug anything for you before we leave? Yeah, just, uh, you know, you can follow
1: us on social media, uh, Sportsman's Alliance on Facebook. I think it's Sportsman's All, A-L-L, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us online at Sportsmen's Alliance, M-E-N-S, sportsmensalliance.org, O-R-G. Right there is where you'll see a lot of the uh, breaking news, the different alerts that are going out. You can sign up for our newsletter that you'll get weekly when it's busy. I don't like to send out a bunch of spam and just send things out to fill up your inbox because I have to, we call it weekly mm-hmm. because during this time we try to send out all the stuff we worked on for the week, but uh, or that we have out there for consumption for the week. Uh, but when it slows down, I don't just keep hammering you with emails just because, uh, but you can sign up for that. You can sign up for your state alerts, and if something moves that we put out in your state, you'll get an email about it. And uh, yeah, just follow us there. You can join there, donate there. You can donate to the Legal Defense Fund or join as a member or join as a business business partner or whatever. SportsMensAlliance.org.
0: All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. And remember, everyone, stay adaptive.